It's the happy, 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 happy air. Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. I remember what I used to say. It's right. Come hella high water, frogs, lice, vermin, smiting of the firstborn, darkness. We still have locusts. We still have a happiness hour. Every week, the second hour of my show is the happy, 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 happy hour. The happy make the world better. The unhappy make it worse. Happiness is a moral obligation, not an emotional state. Well, it is an emotional state, partially, but it is a moral obligation. It's also a moral obligation to act happy even if you don't feel it. It is not right to inflict your bad moods on others any more than it is to inflict your bad breath or bad body odor on others. Hence, we shower and engage in dental hygiene. Oof, that was a good one. Dental hygiene. Welcome to the Happiness Hour. I'm Dennis Prager. Big, it's a big subject. So... I want to reflect on happiness today on on a very big subject which can be life-changing if you take it seriously. As you know, I'm sure you know, the Declaration of Independence speaks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I love that. That's really what constitutes a, a good country, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So my my topic today is, of course, the pursuit of happiness. Most people, how shall I put it? Most people do not pursue happiness. They pursue fun. They pursue excitement. We've had some very important recent happiness hours on the excitement issue. Very, very big, very big deal. But uh, they don't pursue happiness. What I have tried to do in the 23 years of the happiness hour is to give you ways to pursue happiness. But you must consciously understand it is to be pursued. I want you to know this is controversial. Many, many writers on happiness, especially in academia, say you can't pursue happiness. It's a byproduct. By the way, I have a whole, if not a chapter, but a whole discussion in my book on happiness on that very fact that happiness is a byproduct. But that doesn't mean you don't pursue the byproduct. If you know that X leads to Y and you want Y, then obviously you'll do X. So uh, these people are sort of fooling themselves when they say, oh, don't pursue happiness because happiness is only a byproduct of other things. Okay, but if it's a byproduct of other things, then pursue the other things, and then you're pursuing happiness. Of course you should pursue happiness. What, What good thing don't you pursue? Why would happiness be any different? Do the things that bring happiness. And it's my... It's my theory that people don't. They, they do things that feel good, that are comfortable. I work out three times a week. I don't like the workouts. 
So if I didn't pursue happiness, well, I would not work out. Because I'm happier as a result of working out. I'm in better condition. I have a tremendous amount of energy. I bless God for it, or nature, or luck, or, and my trainer. A lot of lot of things go into it, including luck. I have no no doubt about it. Most of the things that you have to pursue for happiness, not all, but most, are not things you want to do. Married people are happier. A lot of people don't pursue marriage because it's a lot easier to stay single, especially in our society, where you're told it's just as good to be single. Among the many lies that people are told at the university and even earlier. The subversion of happiness is the agenda of the university. When you think of a professor of gender studies, or even sociology, does the first thing that come to your mind is a picture of a, a happy person? Well, it doesn't, doesn't to me. The, the cumulative unhappiness among, in, among academics is probably very great. You're not told what to pursue. Marriage is a perfect example. My subject is not marriage, but I'm using that as an example. Children are a gamble. Children are not easy. Most people later in life, most, not all, especially now with so many young people rejecting their parents because they're utterly secular, utterly selfish, and... Don't give a damn about the people who sacrifice so much to make their life possible. But generally speaking, most people are happy they had children. It is, a, it is an example of a richer life. That's another thing that people don't pursue is a rich life. I don't mean rich in money. A rich life in experience. And so people pursue what I've often said is that what be written on their tombstone, I had as little pain as possible. That, my friends, is not a pursuit of happiness. The avoidance of pain is not the same as the pursuit of happiness. Really important. So what can you do to pursue happiness? So... I Every one of the things I am about to mention, I have devoted an entire hour to. Many of them there's a whole chapter on to end a, a sentence with a prep, preposition. It's a no-no. And I will mention some of them on today's show at this time, in no order of importance necessarily. Friends, friends is up there. I can't imagine being happy without close friends. And I I shouldn't have to add the word close, and by close friends, I have always defined close friend as someone to whom you can say anything. 
the more you hide, the less close your friendship is. The more you hide, the less close your marriage is. If, any, if marriage should be anything, it should be a friendship. But people don't pursue friends. There's a lament that I have made often in my life. If you pursued friends, there'd be a lot of things you would do. You would take up interests so that you would meet other people who share your interest. Staying home and watching Netflix is is easy, but it is not the pursuit of happiness. Going to a book club, going to a church club, a Bible study group, even if you're an atheist, going to a, a musical group, a choir. I mean, these things, by the way, were far more common 50 years ago and, of course, throughout American history. Most people were part of some social network, of some club, if you will, like a glee club. Not anymore. Television, television, uh, I've, I've believed that television and college education were the two great post-World War II curses. The net, the net result of both has been awful. And you have to ask, and you should ask yourself, what do I do to pursue happiness? Another one, in addition to pursuing friends, and I'll get back to that, is religion. People think religion is only for people who are firm believers. It's not true. Religion is for people who want to delve into the great issues of life. That's what a Bible class is, should be about. It shouldn't be just about the faith. It should be about all of life. What does the Bible say? That's why I'm writing my Bible commentary. Because what it says can fill your life with happiness and wisdom. 1 8 Prager 776. Happiness Hour on the Dennis Prager Show, the second hour every Friday. I'm arguing for the pursuit of happiness. This was a normative teaching in, in the past, certainly in America. That's why pursuit of happiness is in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was also called the pursuit of a virtuous life, whatever the term was. That is what the parents' obligation and school's obligation were perceived, and the church's obligation were perceived as being. Lead a person to a rich happy, meaningful, virtuous life. We have none of that now, and then we have the highest suicide rate among young people ever recorded in American history. Uh, We have the nihilists who are uh, robbing children of basically their, their chance at happiness. I always debate whether I get into anything political on the happy um, happy hour or the happiness hour. 
and, and it is. It's a tear at me. I try not to, but it, it, it's almost impossible when you deal with something like this. I mean, if you tell children that America is worthless, that religion is worthless, and they will be uh, incinerated by global warming when they get older, it's very easy to understand why you have so many depressed young people. Oh, yes, and added to that, why get married? Just pursue a career, because as we know, a uh, financial analyst gets a lot more out of financial analysis than people get out of marriage or children. <laughs> it's not even comparable. That's where meaning is. So it's not no wonder that we have so many unhappy Americans. You actually can get in. It's a rare happiness hour where we have actually a couple of open lines. One eight Prager seven seven six. Okay, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Larry, hello. Hello, Dennis. Hi. Hi. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for um, saying that. I wanted to ask you. Or say, what is what is your definition of happiness? I have none. <laughs> okay, I think there's two types of happiness. Mm-hmm. One is fleeting; the other is real and permanent. Right, but neither is a definition. You asked me to define it. You can't define it. No one can. I I wrote in my opening to my book, which I published 23 years ago, I don't define happiness because everybody knows when they're unhappy. So, uh, therefore, uh, it it, it gets you nowhere happy. Mm -hmm. You can't Mm -hmm. define it. Define beauty. You can't. Okay, all right. So that's why the question, I didn't think the question is a very understandable question, but it's not a legitimate one. And you're right. Look, if if your point is there's there's real and there's ephemeral happiness, that was my whole point. There's the fleeting yes. watching TV at night you think makes you happy, but in the long run it doesn't. Right, that's true. So I, I think, or what I know from my own experience is that if I pursue happiness, anything in this world, things, people, jobs, whatever you want, money, that's that can come to an end in a second. Right, it and what's, per, right, what's an permanent? Self-knowledge. Knowing the truth of yourself. Knowing yourself. As Socrates said, know thyself. So right, pursuit, I'm, not, I'm not sure that knowing yourself is sufficient. I think it's, well, I think it's, it's like oxygen. You need it, but you, you also need other things. Well... I think that's the first thing that you pursue is self-knowledge. Everything else falls. Right. And how do you pursue that? You either go to church, you do your religion. I meditate. I found a way to go inside and to connect to myself. And, you think that most uh, meditators know themselves better than most non-meditators? No. Okay, so then no. the prescription you offered is... is uh, listen... I, I I don't disagree with anything you said. Uh, I just would argue, know thyself is critical. A vast n- number of people don't. That is why I'm so big on teaching people that they have to fight their nature. If you don't know how your nature, your own very own nature, leads you astray, 
you can't know yourself. When I listed the seven deadly sins, that that was an example of do you do you know not you my caller but do you anybody does one know that one's nature inclines one to to that list of uh, of you know, what gluttony and envy and etc. Do you, do you, do people know what they're composed of? I, I debated this week, and we're going to get it up online. I want you to watch that debate. Uh, whether uh, people are innately good, you you can't know yourself if you think that. Now you don't. I'm not asking people to think they're innately bad. There is no know thyself going on now. That's true, but it's not sufficient. Okay, thank you for your call. And Simpsonville, South Carolina, Brian, hello. Hello, Dennis. Um, I want to say that the pursuit of leisure has replaced the pursuit of meaning in the U.S. life. It, throughout history, um, you know, work, religion, family would provide enormous amounts of meaning in our lives. And we spent probably 95% or more of our time on work, religion, family, not necessarily in that order. You know, some men spend more on work and women more on family. And, but now, you know, we don't, have, we don't spend 95% of our time on those very important things. We, we pursue hobbies. We pursue... Oh, hi, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wish people pursued hobbies. That's one arena where I, I, I agreed with every word you said. You should all read Amusing Ourselves to Death published about 40 years ago. Hello, my friends. Final segment of today's Happiness Hour. I've been making the argument that you need to pursue happiness to attain it. Most people do not. They pursue what is convenient, what is pleasurable, but not what brings happiness. Two of you are calling in to say that serving others brings happiness. That is a very fair statement. I agree. I think you have to do more than that. I mean, so do you. I'm not not taking issue with you. But I should add that to my list of things that uh, can be of tremendous help. I I think meaning would incorporate that, but I'm happy with that, serving others. that's a beautiful fact of life. I agree with that. Friends, marriage and family, religion, hobbies. I'm big on hobbies. Hobbies are passions. H- hobbies are, are not all, but most hobbies are far deeper than amusement. I mentioned to you the book Amusing Ourselves to Death, Neil Postman, I, maybe you already write it in the 60s, so more than 50 years ago, 60 years ago. I reread it last year. It is so uh, pertinent to today. Television inaugurated the Amusing Ourselves to, uh, to Death issue. Amusement is perfectly okay. I begged you folks to pursue friends 
like you pursued a spouse. People should date for friends. I have said this as long as I have been broadcasting. People should date for friends with the seriousness with which they dated for a spouse. But they don't. Today, almost everything is answered if it happens. Ask a young person. Do you want to get married? Eh, Somebody, you know, maybe the right person comes along. If the right person comes along. So they're not pursuing one of the most central institutions of happiness, marriage. A lot of marriages are awful. That's right. So therefore what? How does that in any way negate what I'm saying? We live in a simpleton time. It's very sad. So, friends, marriage, religion, hobbies, meaning, fighting your nature, serving others. Yeah, there's some good, good advice on pursuing happiness. I hope you follow it. I really do. Now call in on any subject under the sun. I did a lot of research during the break on the American Academy of Pediatrics and uh, a lot of good things in in what I have found. At the same time, here's from the New New York Magazine, August 2021. The American Academy of Pediatrics said that everyone in school over age two should wear masks regardless of vaccination status. And the CDC later took up that recommendation. Hmm. This is New York Magazine, which is on the left. I just want to make that clear. It's not a conservative source. After the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics issued their student mask guidance and this is 2021, I contacted both organizations, the writer writes, asking for the evidence or underlying data upon which they base their recommendations that every, every student two years of age and older wear a mask. The AAP did not respond to multiple requests. So, Okay, anyway, that has nothing to do with the subject where I I was very happy to learn from the pediatrician who called in. Dean of the former dean of Harvard Medical School, Jeffrey Flyer, wrote, We lack credible evidence for benefits of masking kids aged 2 to 5, despite what the American Academy of Pediatrics says. On the other hand, they... uh, they did take other positions like schools should open, so it's a mixed bag. But it has nothing to do with the, the, the bigger problem uh, that I had a, a, a raised and which the pediatrician set me clear about being able in the state of Washington to remove a girl's breasts without parental concern. Oh, Kadoki, everybody. Take a light question here. Pacoima, California. Johnny, hello. What a lesson, Dennis. Love you, man. Thank you. 
<laughs> we met before over in Beverly Hills, man. Over at the, at the rally over there, you took a picture with me. Oh, good. Glad. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy, yeah. Happy listen, we listen met. To you every day, every day. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I got I got a question, man. Um, you when you would say you go, you know, you traveled a lot when you were when you were younger. Um, did you? I don't know if it was business or 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 vacation, but when you traveled, did you find it more fun? When you would not book your accommodations, like pre-book them, or did you just uh, book them before you went, or did you just wing it and find it more fun, you know, wherever you were at? Yeah, when I, yes, that's a great question. So when I was, uh, before, certainly before I got married at 32, I winged it completely. Uh, I would stay wherever I was as long as I wanted to, and then if it was in Europe, I would take a train. By the way, I've traveled as much when I got older as I did. Uh, there's nothing I can do, by the way, folks, about this the banging my mic, just for the record. Don't think it's it's some bizarre idiosyncrasy of mine. It's on a stand right in front of me. So any movement of my hand <laughs> will risk that noise. I just wanted to make clear why that happens. Anyway, uh, then when I got older, I would book. Uh, I wouldn't book a tour, but I did. I did, of course, know where how long I would be in any given place. That was not winged. Wonder if there's anybody who has traveled a lot. I don't mean as much as I, but but a lot. I wonder. If anybody thinks, you know, when I look back on it, it really didn't add that much to my life. I don't think there's anybody who would say that. The The reticence to travel is, is usually, I'm not going to take extreme examples, but is usually a statement of somebody who's giving in to the the ease of staying home it's much easier i i go on the road almost every week of the year which reminds me you folks in south carolina i'll be in greenville next thursday night go to uh, the station's website and you can uh, get information haven't been to South Carolina in quite some time. It's a very popular state amongst those of us who live in police states. A lot of, uh, I mean, no, I can't say a lot, but two people quite close to me have moved to uh, South Carolina, at least two, from California. i got to believe there's a real uh, movement of people through South Carolina. Anyway, I hope to see you on next Thursday night. Okay, let's see. Uh, where are we here? Okay, Steve, Santa Clarita, California. Hello. Well, hi, Dennis. We have the uh, 4th of July coming up, and I hope that you'll encourage your listeners to host uh 4th of July Seder that you promoted years ago. It's, did you, uh, did you use it? Oh, yeah, I've used it, uh, you know, multiple times. We have an annual 4th of July parade here in Santa Clarita. And we 
have friends and family gather down in a park near the beginning of the parade about eight o'clock and I'm going to do it again this year. Now they're they're going to have the parade again. So I thought about it this morning, and it's a great way to uh, share America. Yes, thank you for noting that. Go to uh, PragerU.com, 4th of July. It's it's bottled on the Seder. I think we call it order, because that's what Seder means, order. If we don't have rituals, we will lose our holidays. If we lose our holidays, we lose our country. I assume this is a 50s melody, uh, right? I love it. Uh, after classical music and 50s rock and roll. That's my, my favorite genre. Big gap between Beethoven and this. 54, yes. It's happy. It's a happier time. I, I wonder... ...about the size of government and the happiness of its citizens. Is there a an inverse ratio? Is there a direct ratio... For me, there's no question it's an, in, an inverse ratio. The bigger the government, the less happy people like me who love liberty are. I, I, I want to be as unconscious of government as possible. I want, to, I want to think of my family, my friends, my synagogue in my case, or your church in your case, my Rotary Club, my... Lions Club, my Bible study class, my my music. I mean, I want to think about immediate things. This country was founded to have a small government. Do you realize that? I mean, it's how upended our values have become since the early 20th century the progressives. Progressive means progressively intrusive, controlling government. That's what progressive means. That's what it stands for. Let the government progress in its power over your life. There are many ways of dividing the world, happy and the unhappy, the moody and the non-moody. It's it's endless. The musical, the non-musical. But certainly... One division that is, to me, inexplicable is the world is divided between those who wish to control others' lives and those who don't. You know that in your family life, because most families have some member in the extended family, if not the immediate, who wants to control people's lives. And we have that massively in America. Half of this country wants more control. Do you know I I remember for years, and this goes really back in my radio career, people would call and say, you know, Dennis, I agree with you ninety nine percent of the time. And still people say that. The 
what I want to recall is my response to that when somebody would say, you know, Dennis, I agree with you 99% of the time, and I would then often interject, is the 1% secondhand smoke? <laughs> and I would say half the time that was the one arena that people who agree with me almost all the time or all the time, except for that. And I have always supported common sense, to use the term that's really revered but sometimes misused. I supported common sense laws like no smoking on airplanes in a confined small arena. It's not fair to people that they uh, be subjected, especially to cigarette smoke, which stinks. So I, I got that. But I knew in my gut, as legitimate as some of the concerns were, although I don't believe the health concerns are legitimate, I don't believe 50,000 Americans die a year from secondhand smoke. I think it's another lie of the medical establishment, which views lying for the sake of health as a moral good. But I, I, I knew when Burbank, California, near where I am right now, when Burbank, California, one of the most woke cities in the country, by the way, when it banned cigar smoking in cigar stores, I knew we were headed down a very, very bad path. Most Americans supported it because in the name of health, deprivation of basic rights is justifiable in the minds of most Americans. And that was the preparation for the lockdowns and for school closures for two years. I think secondhand smoke opened the door to we can do anything we want to you. We can deprive you of any liberty if it's for health's sake. Just a thought. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager, the area you uh, call in on whatever is on your mind. And we go to Fort Worth, Texas. Kim, hello. Hi, Kim. Hi, Mr. Prager. It's such an honor to speak with you. Appreciate that. Thank you. So I was calling you because I have a 15-year-old daughter that the left has already kind of gotten her head, and I'm curious what would be the best um, PragerU videos to start her with. Well, it's, it's an unanswerable question, but I can give you some guidelines. Uh, the okay. first thing you should do, and which will take you a little while, we now have more than 500 up so (laughs) i know there's so many that's why i'm like i don't know where to start (laughs) okay so what i generally recommend is that you begin with non-political stuff okay so so for example uh i have uh, videos on happiness Mm -hmm. and and that that may well be worth uh, her watching uh that way I become a little more lovable, 
Um, by the way, I just want to make clear, I only do one out of ten videos. I mean, you know, okay. so uh, there are 450 videos that I didn't do. I, I'm just using me as an example because I do uh, non-political as, as well as uh, some political. So you you have to look at the list and decide uh, what you think is most uh would would get her on board not to be defensive at the okay. from, from the very outset. So that right. that's that's how I would choose. Or, or, or have, has your home been at all religious? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, she's grown up her whole life that way, and now all of a sudden she's telling me that she's an atheist. And right. That, okay. Well, it's worth you know. then. It might be worth showing some of the videos on God's existence. And uh, or even my videos on the Ten Commandments, so that it's not pushing any religion down her throat, but it is okay. making the case for why these things are terrific. Or even, uh, you know, more controversially, but more important even, uh, if God didn't say do not murder, is murder wrong? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and w- but what you need to do is talk about it afterwards. Okay. That that's really that's really important. Or or you know some of the videos defending America. I mean. Okay. So take a look at the list. We're 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 very proud of it. And let let me know in about two months. I'm very serious. I'd love to hear from you. What progress you made with her? God, she comes from a religious home. She's 15, and the left has already gotten to her, as as her mother just said. That's exactly right. That's what happens. So she's an atheist now. I mean, most kids go through an atheist period. I I understand that. But it is really remarkable when you think about it. You go to school and they teach you to be an atheist. (laughs) There you go. That'll really help you in life. Think about that. Okay, Philadelphia, Stan, hello. Oh, no, I pressed the uh, delete button by accident. It's so easy to do with this new thing. Missed it by the Yeah, no, I missed it by a lot. Anyway, I remember what Stan was going to ask me. Why don't I think that Donald Trump should run again? So I have made the case on on, on maybe one or two occasions. Very briefly, I want to make clear... If he runs, I will passionately support him. Number two, I think he was the best president the country had since Abraham Lincoln. Number three, I don't want him to run again. has nothing to do with how great a president he was. It has to do with winning. There is an existential, to use the left's term with regard to climate change, there is an existential battle for America. The left is a mortal threat to this country, to everything that uh, most of us have valued, especially liberty. So if the Democrats win again, it's hard to see the way out in the lifetime of most of you listening. I want a candidate who will win. And I think that Donald Trump is in that regard it's very hard to say he will bring out Republicans who otherwise might not have voted 
and he will also suppress non-Republicans who would have voted for another Republican. So I I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I can't say, but I, I know this. If Donald Trump runs, it is somewhat of a gift to the left because all they will do is talk about Donald Trump. Most of it will be lies. Most of it will be calumnies. Most of it will be smears, but that's all they will do. If, if another Republican runs, they will try to smear that person as well, but it won't be as, as effective. And he look, he does have an abrasive personality, which is part of his appeal, by the way. Nancy Pelosi is not abrasive. Chuck Schumer is not abrasive. Adam Schiff is not abrasive. I mean, on, on planet Earth they are. Nevertheless, he is particularly so. I don't care. Well, I do care. I take it back. But I know that I can't have everything in any arena of life. It's just the way life works. So when people have said, said to me for four years, oh, if only Trump didn't tweet so much, I would say, yes, I agree with you. But everybody is a package. That was the term. I've used that on the happiness hour. Everybody is a package. You can't say, oh, this is a great person except for, or I would love him or her if it weren't for. But the fact is that for is part of who everyone is or that person is. Back in a moment. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at pragertopia.com.